Welcome to Soundings Mindful Media Podcast. I'm Dudley Evanson, and for more than four decades, my husband Dean Evanson and I have created music and media that supports healing people and the planet. In our Soundings Podcasts, we share interviews with wisdom keepers we have met in the course of our life journey. To learn more about our activities and releases, please visit our website and blog at soundings.com. In this podcast, we take you back to 1972 and our visit to Northwest Sweden, where a group of young people were growing organic food, working with an elder Finnish farmer named Anders Bjornsson. They call their technique friendly farming, which is a simple but effective means of working with nature, putting weeds they called helpful cultures right next to the growing plants, and producing abundant crops without artificial fertilizer or pesticides by keeping the soil cultivated with a fork-like tool. We hope you enjoy learning this as much as we did. You may watch the Friendly Farming video on Soundings Mindful Media YouTube channel. In Nikonis, Sweden, live a communal group of 20 or so young people who are producing a year-round supply of food for themselves and for a restaurant in Stockholm. Their special way of making plants grow is called friendly farming, and it is based on a traditional form of high-altitude gardening handed down from the Finnish immigrants who settled in that valley after the Viking Empire subsided. Their inspiration is Anders Bjornsson, a youthful man in his 80s. In this age of mechanized and chemicalized farming, their techniques seem almost radical in their simplicity, and yet they amaze us with their successes. What do you mean by friendly farming? Um, well, a direct translation from Swedish it is friendly farming. Um, it really means that we're, we're trying to get in touch with, with nature that this is a living earth, that everything is living, that the plants are individuals and we are individuals. And the thing we have in common is that the plants grow and we grow. The common factor is uh, a life force. It, it can be, we don't discuss what this life force is because many people can give it religious connotations. And, uh, and Anders, if you ask him, he laughs and says, no, no, it's just called life force. It's, some people call it prana. It's, it's different energies. It's, it's, so we don't put any emphasis on that side. Our emphasis is on practical work. I mean, as as we're on Earth and we've got two hands and two legs, we must be here to work everything out practically. So that we try to get practical experience and and bring everything everything down from the theoretical down to the practical. It's it's. But this is only supposed to be the basis. It it's not it's not a solution to anything. Mm-hmm. This is just a suggestion how we come close to the Earth how it's possible to get into a position where we can get to know the earth and from there we must work it out ourselves in that place where we're living so this is just a basis for research because conditions may change um, in this part of Sweden in the atmosphere here we are getting we're getting some of the sulfur dioxide even from the rural area in Germany so that we're not safe from chemicals. We don't use any form of chemicals at all. No fertilizers, no composts. But still, we can't guard anything. We can't guard against pollution from the air because it comes with the winds. 
and we have predominantly west and southwest winds during the summer. So in a hundred years' time, the, the atmosphere of the earth may be different, and therefore there may be different methods you have to apply to farming. So the idea is that this must be worked out all the time. Why, why don't you plow? Um, the reason why we don't plow is, if you look at the earth, at different levels, there are different microorganisms and different bacterias which have different functions. So the say the, the bacteria that live at half a meter or a meter's depth, they have a special function to fill. Now if you come with a plow mm -hmm. and you turn the earth upside down, it's chaos. It's like turning a high-rise building upside down. And what happens is that these bacteria that live at the bottom come to the top and, they, and they, they, they can't stand ultraviolet rays and they can't stand the sunshine. And so you get dead earth. And all the bacteria at the top, which live on the sunshine and which have a special function to fulfill on the, on the, on the topsoil, they get turned over and put in the bottom. And they stop the, the process of, of breaking down the earth because they're meant to be on the top. And then they, they stop the whole process of, of breaking down and getting a good compost soil. And another reason why we don't plow is because when you come with a plow and come with a tractor, you pack the earth together. And, it, and it's very, very hard, and so no air can get into, inside the earth. And we need the air to feed these microorganisms. What we have instead of the plow is we have worms. Um, a worm normally, in, an, in one day, will give you one gram of compost. It, it eats its way through the earth. And if you have a, an area of ground where there are, say, 50, 50 worms to a, a, to a square, square yard, you'll get, say, two acres a year. You'd get 50 tons a year from two acres where there was good worms. Mm. And what they do is, is that they eat their way to the earth and they come up from the bottom and they eat their way up and leave a trail of compost behind them. And all the time they ventilate the soil and keep it keep it loose. So what we do, we don't plow, we, we just go, we use this type of tool. It should really be shorter, maybe. It depends on your soil, but we don't go deeper than two inches into the soil. Try not to. We just break the topsoil and keep it loose. And we keep it loose and, and the atmospheric energy, or, the, or what we call the life force, activates the bacteria. So you can't grow any plants without first having the bacteria which correspond to those plants. And so between your rows of plants, you go twice a week maybe, and just keep the earth loose. And potatoes, why we use potatoes? Because potato is, is one of the few plants that seems to give more to the earth than it takes out. So when you begin to farm on new earth, uh, use the potato because its root system helps to break down the earth and it, it, it takes its, most of its energy from somewhere else. Are there other plants that do that? Um, we think the potato is the most effective and then normally we go on to carrots afterwards. But so far we've only been experimenting with potatoes. It, it's something which can be experimented with. The whole idea of friendly farming, as it's called in Swedish, is that 
we get near to nature, we get close to nature, we try to learn its structure and its laws, and then we adapt them in that, in, in that special zone, because all different parts of the world are divided into different zones, they have different climatical conditions and different different situations where you can't, the methods we use here may not be able to be used somewhere else, but the principles behind them can be used to experiment and do research. So this is just meant as a basis. These, look at them, they're so healthy, they're just... Anders and I, when we came and looked at these, we said that they're boasting, that they're healthy, they're shouting out that they're green and healthy. How old are they? These plants, I say, two weeks they've been up above the ground now. Mm -hmm. And what happens is, they come up about this much to begin with, and then we go, and we take away the weeds. And we don't put the weeds on a compost heap, we put the weeds where they came from, and they go back down. We don't call them weeds, we call them helpful cultures, because nothing exists without being of some help. So these so-called weeds help. And another way of carrying out tests to see what type of soil you have is not by getting earth and sending it to a laboratory because that's a dead method. We tell by looking at the different weeds we have or cultures. This, for example, is a green version. That is what it looks like. And this is somewhere between the green and the brown earth. This exists where there's both green and brown. But where we've got green bacteria, we see further over here where these black currant bushes are, it's turning red. This is a dark, it's turning red, and, it's, and it's, it's losing its fight. And so next year it won't be here anymore. So the idea to see what sort of earth you've got is, is to know the different vegetation that grows in your area and to know at what stage it grows. Now if we look at these potatoes, what we do, we go and we help them. We give them earth. And we've noticed that if we don't do anything with the potatoes, they grow very, very slowly. Now, if I am um, to go like this, now they'll grow an inch or two overnight now. If they were so big, they'd grow to this much. We found out everywhere that if, if we look after them and uh, love. love them, but, <laughs> but it's something that we give them energy, we wake them up, we, we tell them that they have to do something. Um, they, they respond. It, it's, it's, it's something which we've got practical experience of, concrete facts. The best time to water is when it rains, strangely enough. It sounds strange, but these plants are very sensitive and they're like barometers. They will only collect water when it's low pressure. So if there's high pressure in the atmosphere, if you water, the water will just either evaporate into the air again, or it will go back right down in the earth, and it will miss the plants. So, so the best time to water is when it's raining. But if you keep the ground loose, then any water that's around, or any dampness in the atmosphere from dew, it will automatically be drawn into the dry earth. And every night it gets yes. wet. So yes, yes. We had um, two months of drought last summer, and we, we got by this by going every day and just and loosening the topsoil. Now, if it was a hard topsoil, that no, no air could get into it, mm -hmm. and it would sort of stifle any life there, and, and no water could get into it. None of the none of the dew. It, it, it doesn't lose any water because it's open. Mm -hmm. 
if it's hot, then the groundwater level recedes. It it it's, it recedes. It's it's no. It's no use throwing water on when you think it's right, because the plants know when they should take up water. So, these are being cut back in the spring, and they're already beginning to shoot up here. And next year, they'll begin to shoot up the roots when they've been cut back. So, they'll become... They'll grow here the first year, and then when you cut them back again, then the, the roots will start coming up. You know, this is a kiss. This can't be if there is a tree. Then there must be a year, and then you clip it here, and then the roots will come there. Yeah, yeah. These, these are only just really small twigs. So you have to keep cutting them back so they get thicker and thicker, and so you've got more of a branch-like structure to make these the more you cut this back the the, the thicker it'll get and the more tree-like it'll get these were planted last year and in order that they can give fruit this year you have to take away some of the leaves then the top leaf is to be left because we're trying to get a tree out of this, but these leaves you leave there to go back into the soil. Or if you want, you can make wonderful tea out of these. You just put them in water, cook, the, boil the water, and put these in water. Um, yes, yeah, so or it doesn't matter. Or you can just eat them straight away. They're because before before the fruit's been formed. The life force has been concentrated in, into the into the leaves. First, it was in the root in the spring, and then it's come up, and it's gone out into the leaves. And then, when the fruit comes, the life force is concentrated into the fruit. So that so the berries you pick directly from the bush or the tree and, and put them in your mouth, they're a hundred times more nutritious and and taste much better than than the berries you, you can get anywhere else. So direct, it should be directly, because then there's no loss. Um, here we've got a, quite a large expanse of carrots. And there's always a problem if you have the same type of vegetable over a large area, because it, it attracts different bugs. This may attract the carrot fly. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to plant different things that will keep them away, that will counteract. Now this, this is grass onion. And we're hoping that the the grass onion will keep away the flies, will keep away the bugs. And so most vegetables have another vegetable which they can grow side by side and, and it, it's sort of a reciprocal that they protect each other. But there's another aspect. If you have any sick plants or sick vegetables, it, it's nature's law that they have to disappear. So a healthy plant, a completely healthy plant will never be attacked by bugs. So if your, your plants are being attacked by bugs, it's, it's because you've not got a healthy growth there. Because life is health when it refers to, to the soil. And so in, in fact nature is doing what it should do. It, it's clearing away all disease and sickness in, in, in its own environment. What we do with potatoes, we take potatoes or, or any other vegetable we want to get a healthy specimen and we plant it in very difficult conditions, in very bad conditions 
and we take those different plants which which make the most of it which 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 are the strongest the healthiest at the end of the growing season so that's another way of getting healthy plants and is to put them in difficult conditions and the ones that make it you use those the next year set them out like potatoes Well, we're making a row for the potatoes. It's easiest to have a piece of wood as a guideline and use the spade, but don't go direct, don't go deep. Go at, a, at an angle like this. We're not going to bury the potatoes, we're going to plant them. <laughs> yeah. This earth is rather loose, so you, you, could use, you could use this to rake it up, but if you've got hard earth, you use a spade. We're showing you now because you can use a spade in any condition, but if it's this loose, you can use this. So we have a hand span between the potatoes, but between the potato rows, we have at least three feet between. Because later on, you'll need this earth here to heap up to the potatoes when they start coming up. You'll be taking earth from the center to the sides of both rows. So you need enough earth in the middle to heap up the potatoes as they grow. So you just cover the potatoes up afterwards. You don't, they don't go very deep. It's just shallow in the ground. They don't need to go deep because they need the warmth. They need the warmth up near the top. Just cover them up. And these potatoes were were put into the ground ten days ago, and they've already come up to this size. So if you bury them, it'll take much longer for them to come up. They've got a much harder fight before they can come up, and the leaves can start taking energy from the atmosphere. How many people have worked on this land? Just him, Folky alone. One man. Just one man alone has done this. So I mean, even though. It's quite a large area. It, it, it's you. You don't need many people. Not with these. Not with using these natural methods. Machine tractors. It, it looks as though they're doing an effective job, but it really, they're, they're making life much harder because you have to do so many different things to to uh, make up for the amount of damage that the the, the machines have done. And so, if you're working on a friendly basis. Uh, from the beginning, therefore, you only have to do things once. And he's he's used these methods solely. He he's he's never used a machine, as I said, and he's never used any animal manure or anything. So machines should be adapted to to the conditions where you're farming. If if the machine can be used in a friendly way, if it can be used in a natural way, then then, it, then we think it's all right. We'll, we'll have technical aids if they're of a friendly nature, but we won't use anything which just goes along without respect for nature and turns it upside down. But I personally think that, that it's much better to have living contact. That's why we have no shoes and socks on, because we work with bare feet. It, it's, it's, it's contact with the earth, it's contact with your environment, and it also gives you energy. There's energy you're giving to the earth and you're getting from the earth. And it also, Andish had pneumonia 
once and the doctor said to him that the best thing he could do was to go barefoot with the take off his shoes and socks and walk in the in the earth and um, he usually works bare feet and also if you have no shoes and socks and you know where you're going sometimes you can stand on plants and because you don't know what's underneath your feet you should always be aware of, of, of what's around you both aware of what's up in the air and also what's underneath your feet so you don't step on things and also it's much nicer it's, it's lovely <laughs> it, feels good. it feels good yeah thank you for listening to our soundings mindful media podcast we hope you've enjoyed this program to learn more about our music guided meditations books and videos please visit our website and blog at soundings.com peace through music blessings <laughs>